This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Eicher. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Our music is brought to you by Tanika Charles, courtesy of Record Kicks. Her album Soul Run and The Gumption are available now on all streaming platforms. Today, I'm happy to announce that Buckets and Tea is officially joining the Raptors Republic. I'm so excited to be a part of it. I want to welcome all our new listeners to the show and everyone who has been with me on this journey. Uh, I started this podcast. Uh, uh, it'll be two years in February, uh, right before the pandemic. Obviously, that's a perfect time to start a basketball podcast, uh, but I powered through and here we are. Uh, so thank you to everybody. Uh, I'm very, very appreciative. Um, so for anybody new to the show, uh, how it works is I have a special guest every week and we start talking about the NBA first, then we move on to our Raptors Homer moment, and then we have our hot girl summer Nick Nurse highlight of the week to end it off. And I will explain that when we get there. So today, my special guest, a great friend of mine. Uh, he is the host of the Confederacy of Dunks podcast. Uh, he's also a fantastic comedian and the co-host of the WNBA podcast that we do together called The Pickup. So be sure to check that out. Uh, it's Freddie Rivas. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm very excited to be here. Congratulations on uh, being with Raptors Republic. Um, it is uh, amazing for them and for you. Thank you. That's very sweet. Uh, you and I have been podcasting forever. I'm a frequent guest on your show and it's just, you know, slowly, slowly, uh, making things happen, making some snack money, you know, we're doing it, you know, we're grinding it out. <laughs> People are, I feel like collectively understanding the grind, our grind. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Slowly. Uh, <laughs> So let's get into some NBA talk. I want to talk about the Trailblazers and Neil O'Shea. So Neil O'Shea was under investigation for uh, inappropriate conduct, inappropriate workplace conduct. Uh, that investigation happened for most of the month of November and just concluded on Friday. We're recording this on Tuesday, December 7th. Uh, uh, he has been let go. Also, uh, apparently he violated terms in his contract. So he has been let go, uh, without pay, which is a nice, uh, little wow. detail <laughs> I didn't know. And, uh, there's reports that he might challenge that this, that, and the other, um, before we get into, I want to talk about the blazers and where they go from here and who they should potentially trade. But I wanted to ask you, do you have any thoughts just on the Neil O'Shea firing itself? Um, you know what? Like, I hope this isn't too boring, but not really. I don't know too much about it. You know, I'm just reading that. Yeah. Abrasive and controlling with staffers and also made an inappropriate comment toward a female staff member, which sucks. It seems like, you know, something you should be fired for. 
Um, I, my general assumption with owners is that they're, they're quite often not great people. So when I hear, you know, that they were bad bosses, I generally tracks. Um, yeah. Like it, it to me, bit generic, it, just, but, yeah. it sounds like everyone, well, not everyone, but it just sounds like a lot of people I've worked with in the film industry. And, uh, yeah. but to me, it's just so great to see that like an investigation into his conduct actually took place. Like yeah, I totally like I want to commend the Trailblazers for actually doing that because a lot of people don't. Um, looking at you, Phoenix Suns. Uh, ah. so, <laughs> um, I just want to commend them for that. Uh, as far as the Trailblazers go now, um, a lot of trade rumors are happening. Um, I think they were probably they haven't said this, but I'm pretty sure they had to wait for this investigation to conclude before they could um reignite any negotiations around trades like i feel like a lot of this was probably put on pause for the last month because of this investigation because now the ben simmons rumors are back and things like that uh personally i've been saying cj mccollum for ben simmons since july uh apparently they made that offer as well but then they also wanted i think a total of six draft picks i think it was three first round three second round uh, apologies if I have that wrong. I don't have that specifically in front of me, but I remember it was like an exorbitant amount of draft picks. And, and so then the, they said, the Blazers no. wanted that or the, no, Sixers? um, the Sixers wanted that for, um, CJ. So basically the Sixers wanted CJ McCullough and six draft picks. So three and three, right. um, for Ben Simmons. And they were like, that is way too much like we're not giving that much of our future away just for one player and mm -hmm. i agree that would be a terrible deal um so now those talks have uh, allegedly uh started happening again now people are talking about do they trade damian lillard or uh, what do you think the trailblazers should do um yeah i feel like i okay i i, I feel like i'm in you know i don't know if it's ben simmons island or, or how big the territory of believers in Ben Simmons is. Like the but, size uh, of Australia? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe it's a, an island, but in, it's a really big one. It's Australia. Um, it's also like basically a continent. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm there. I believe in Ben Simmons. I believe in his skills. Uh, I think he can be a part of like winning basketball. I don't think that the 11 and 14 trailblazers should trade CJ for him. Um, mm. That to me, I, I get it. You know, you got Lillard and CJ both on max contracts. Now you have Norm there, you know, making 18 a year this year, and that's only going to go up. So there's not a lot of flexibility. And I think you got you know, more redundant by having a guy like Norm with CJ. Shout out to Norm, because we already said understanding the grind. Um, and, and Lillard, but I just don't think that, you know, you want to pair Lillard with Simmons as an experiment this late into Lillard's career. And I, you know, I'm also not really like, for like, like for me, when I look at the Blazers, I don't look as at CJ or Lillard as the problem. And I think that the, I get the idea of you trade CJ for a better fit. I think if it's a sure bet, style fit go for it maybe but uh there's just nothing sure about ben simmons like at this point in his career 
if you're Portland, how confident could you really be that he would come there and play and give you his all? I mm-hmm. and there's just too many worse. You know, CJ's doing it. He's 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 uh you know getting out there doing work and and I get it. They they've lost in the playoffs a bunch of times. They've showed up short, and um, they're eleven and fourteen. And you know it looks it looks like Billups and Lillard aren't you know besties necessarily. But uh, yeah, if the trade's there, do it. I don't think force it. I feel like the Sixers have handled the Ben Simmons thing all wrong. All and, wrong. I agree. You know they've just they've overvalued him. And then they've also threw him under the bus and they didn't integrate him back. And I think obviously he's a part of that. But um, if I'm another franchise, I'm like, no, you want me to take Ben Simmons? I'm doing you a favor. So you give me picks. And I think Daryl Morey is, uh, you know, he's a tough negotiator. So I think he's he's kind of stuck with uh, with Ben Simmons. Yeah, so sorry, I just want to clarify because you said you you believe in Ben Simmons, but you also think he's a, a bit of a liability or or a huge mm-hmm. risk. Yeah. So I guess you're you're just like, I mean, I guess I mean that the truth is in the middle. Like he is both. Like he is exactly he is a good player. Uh I hesitate to say great player, if I'm being honest. I might be a little low on him at the moment, but I, I just think like yeah, I you bring up a good point. Like I, I am a little more pro. Um, I think the Blazers should make that trade only because I feel like, you know, they're, they're notorious for not playing defense. And, uh, I feel like Ben Simmons is the kind of player where you don't want to have any offensive expectations of him. Mm -hmm. You know, you just want him to defend set picks and pass. And what other team could he really do that on and succeed than the trailblazers? Like, I feel like that team will happily score his points for him where other teams, they aren't, even if they, if the individual players are happy scoring more, um, they're not as gifted offensively um, to, to hold that, I guess. So I'm a little more pro, like if any team is going to make this trade, it, I think they should go for it. I also think at this point in Lillard's career, I think it is time to take a risk and do something like this. Not that I think CJ McCullough is the problem. Definitely not. I think he's a great player, but I think at this point in his career, why not take a risk? I don't know. I mean, it's two years on his contract. Give it two years. I don't know. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm a little more like uh, gutsy about it. But I, I'm very against people trying to trade Damian Lillard now. Like, I think that it has come out Silly. of boredom. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, people who are saying, like, they should blow it up. I'm definitely against no. that. Well, and, and I think that, you know, the West is particularly weak right now. Here, here's my Ben Simmons trade, okay? Okay. I love um, it. John Wall. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you send him to Houston and you say, it's a brand new team. You got Jalen Green. It's your team, Ben Simmons. You can, we'll build it around you and we have other talent and you give John Wall a second chance and you're like, buddy, this is, you know, this is it. You got, you got to run this team. You got to play well. And, um, you know, you, you're playing with Embiid. It's not your team, but you have a, a good situation around you. Uh, Wall, in a in a wild like amount of money, it makes quite a bit more than Ben Simmons. He's forty four, and Ben Simmons is thirty three. Mm-hmm. 
but Wall's contract comes up way before Ben Simmons. So there's that, you know, they're right. Like in that sense, Ben's uh, like, you know, Philly could maybe be like, all right, Houston, you give us a pick because they can salvage that, you know, sort of thing. That's, yeah, that's, he- that's my trade. I, I love that, Freddie. And honestly, I uh, frequently forget John Wall exists. So we all <laughs> that's do. On, that's on me. He's on a max. That's on that's on Houston, because I actually don't think um, teams should just be like, you know what? You're really good. So therefore, uh, we don't want you to play. Like, I, I don't think that should be allowed. Like, I, I like if you're going to tell a player we don't want you to play, there should be like uh, uh, another reason other than, hey, we're just looking to tank. Like, I, I just, I don't know. Like, that really bugs me. Because it would up his trade value if he was playing now, no? For sure. Yeah. Well, yeah so- I, I think it gets dicey when, like, you know, clearly they agreed upon something. Like, I think they were like, hey, we'll pay you all the money you're owed, but we don't want to play you. And he's like, great, but, you know, make sure you still pay me sort of thing. Because like, I'm wondering what's happening with Kyrie and with um, Brooklyn. I don't want to you know, create a whole new topic for you. But yeah, in terms of money, like, are they paying him everything? I don't know. I haven't looked into it. Fair. I clearly haven't. Either, <laughs> Sorry. So. I hey. haven't looked into it. Um, I was just like, oh, my, like, I'll say this, my little theory about Kyrie, um, which I haven't gotten into too much on this podcast is um, I think if it wasn't the anti-vaxxing thing, it would have been something else. I really think he was looking for a way out. You, you, I've told so many people your specific wording, which is um, <laughs> Kyrie looks like someone who just doesn't enjoy his job anymore. Yes. And if you track, you know, his relationship with James and how it ended, um, it's felt like that the whole time. And I think that makes a yeah. lot of sense for Kyrie. Like he's, he's wildly gifted, but like, Yeah, I don't know, man. He's like some kind of heart surgeon who's like one of the best in the world. But he's just like, listen, I don't enjoy hospitals. (laughs) And you're like, buddy, we can't build you, you know, your own laboratory. And he's like, hey, well, when you do, let me know. And they're like, well, people need your help. And he's like, I I don't I don't care. (laughs) Basketball is heart surgery is what I'm saying. And that's the craziest analogy, but I absolutely love it. We're all playing operation and, you know, Kyrie's the best at it, but he doesn't want to play. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. We agree. Um, one thing I wanted to to point out was, and you kind of said it, the, uh, the relationship between Damian Lillard and Chauncey Billups, not great. And I know Chauncey Billups has been calling out Damian Lillard for his lack of um, enthusiasm, will, want, just overall energy. You know, I, I think like with Damian Lillard, he's he's your star player. He's one of the best in the league. You know, he's a top 75 of all time guy. I think you got to sit him down and be like, what do you want? Like if you're this interim GM, um, his name's Joe something. <laughs> I forgot. But if you're this interim GM, I think it's Joe Biden. It's Joe Biden. Yeah, <laughs> I think. I don't know. Yeah. President of the United States, but also GM to the Trailblazers on the yeah. side. It's a side hustle. And um, I think you sit down with Damien Lillard and you ask him, what does he want? And then you give it to him. Like, I don't care if he's a spoiled baby because he he's your best guy. Like you kind of have to let him be a spoiled baby 
I don't love that. I don't love that in my stars. Um, but you got to ask them like, what, like, what can we do to make this better for you? And then you do it. And then if it still doesn't work, then at least, you know, that you've done everything you can. Like, I think, you know, Neil O'Shea hiring Chauncey Billups, a coach that Damian Lillard didn't want necessarily was a mistake. Um, why not ask him like, Hey, like, are you happy with Chauncey Billups? If you're not, who would you like to replace him? you know, give me a list and let's see what we can do. Cause like, why, why is your star player having a first year coach that he's not happy with? Like, I, I, I don't know. It just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I think you do have to, you know, keep Lillard happy, especially in, in you know, today's NBA climate. Uh, I'm just looking at his, um, you know, his, his next couple of years and not to be the like, you know, hey, you're getting paid a lot, whatever. But Lillard is on a pretty wild max contract. So I feel like you can be like, we're paying you massive amounts of money. So with that, we expect you to kind of continue to bring it and us to continue to improve the team because I feel like not every star is a LeBron type who's kind of like, hey, or Durant, who's like, hey, not only am I the best player, but I want to GM and engineer this team. I feel like some guys are like, I just want to be great. Can you like, you know, you do your thing and draft guys that I, I need or, you know, fit into the team. Um, you know, again, and looking at yeah. this, this Norm Powell contract, like it just, it takes up a lot of the flexibility that this team has. Um, next year, however, they do have like a lot of players coming off the books, so you could make a bit of a play there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they're 140, uh, 141 this year and 110 next year. So they don't have a lot of extra money the, you know, Dame CJ norm is like, that's kind of, that's all the money you got sort of um and larry nance as well at at, at almost 10 so i don't know if yeah maybe it's for you know you trade cj for parts but again i think lillard's 31 so you you want to bring in ideally someone that can help help him pretty quickly maybe you take a you know you give minnesota a call and you say Mm -hmm. like you know CJ and Norm for for Towns. What do you think? You know, something like that. Um, I like that. Yeah, I think you do. You try and you try and help Lillard. And and, and I, I get that CJ is the main kind of like bait there. But uh, it could be other moves, too. You could package a bunch of people for someone you like. Um, and yeah, maybe it's bringing him a star or parts. I'm not sure. I think Portland's in a sticky situation, to be honest. Yeah, no, they definitely are. Um, his name's Joe Cronin, C-R-O-N-I-N, Cronin. Okay. Cronin. He's, he's David Cronenberg's son. <laughs> I don't know why that makes yeah. his any interim sense. G- but, interim yeah. GM, another side hustle. <laughs> yeah. Side hustle, um, Canadian filmmaker. Um, in terms of the, the trailblazers, just to wrap that topic up, 
We don't think they should blow it up at, at all. Uh, that would be so disappointing. Um, kudos to them for getting rid of Neil O'Shea. And I actually like this John Wall trade better than the CJ McCullough one, even though I've been harping on that for months now. So uh, thanks, Freddie. Hey, you know, there's, there's stuff out there. There's stuff out there. Um, let's move on to the Chicago Bulls because our DeMar DeRozan, um, currently he's under uh, health and safety protocols, um, but prior to that was named uh, Easter Conference Player of the Week. Mm-hmm. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. Uh, did I, I'm like, did I just make that up? Did it just feel right <laughs> as a biased Raptors fan? Did it just feel right to call him that? Um, yeah, he he's just been doing absolutely great. And he I feel like he's proving a lot of haters wrong. And all well, the the entire Chicago Bulls are because I was honestly personally a little skeptical with this team because I was just like, I don't see this team playing defense. Um, you know, there's a lot of players who really need the ball a lot, but Mm -hmm. they have found a way to make it work and they've certainly proved me wrong. Um, so I want to know what your thoughts are on the bulls and what do you think their ceiling is this year? Well, I'll say this, you know, just to jump on your point, they've also proven me wrong. I did not have them, um, being this good. I thought they were kind I thought they'd basically be in like the play in territory. Or you know, yeah, I think I, I think I said on your podcast that I predict a Bulls Raptors play in game, <laughs> right? <laughs> and yes. that and that and that DeRozan is finally going to learn how to hit a clutch shot. Uh, I'm pretty sure I said that, and now it's like, wow, uh, that's obviously not happening. They're definitely in the playoff mix, but anyway, um, I don't know if we will be seen on video, but you know. I got a I got a DeRozan T-shirt framed. Um, so I'm 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 a, always been a DeRozan lover. Always been a DeRozan mm-hmm. believer. Always felt like he got scapegoated when he got traded. Um, mm-hmm. Happy for his success. Uh, I do think that um, you know he was good in San Antonio as well. But San Antonio is one of those places that you you or you know like Denver, or Utah, whatever. You can be really, really, really good there, and people don't care. Um, and it just doesn't matter unless you're you know absolutely a contender. Um, right. And I think we've even seen sometimes with Donovan Mitchell, like you can be on a contender, you can be like sometimes near MVP level, and people can still not really care. Um, I'm not saying DeRozan is as good as uh, Mitchell, but uh, well, I mean it's not that far off. But uh, I digress. Uh, I think the yeah, Bulls... like if DeRozan was on the Jazz instead of Mitchell, like they'd probably have similar numbers. Yeah, they'd have similar numbers. I think you know, just I don't know why I keep bringing up new topics, but I feel like Donovan <laughs> has more, you know, playmaking potential and kind of is more well-rounded player. But um, yeah, I thought you know the one-ball theory made some sense for the Bulls. I thought they'd be closer to five hundred. I do think they are playing a little bit above their heads and will won't be in the top four when the playoffs start, but I don't think they're a playing team. They seem like they're like fifth or sixth or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think like a lot of the Eastern conference teams, they other than like a Brooklyn or Milwaukee, they have a kind of a well-rounded team. So I think they're going to need health. And they've already had some, you know, Caruso 
uh, is out for a little bit. And I know uh, Patrick Williams, who's a key defender for them, is out for the season. So I think they'll need to have sustained health to be in the top four. But um, if I had to pick, I'd say they end up in like fifth. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, obviously, it's like it's December and a lot right, can happen so early, between yeah. now and April. But, you know, it's always fun to make these kinds of predictions with certain teams. And I think with the Bulls, yep. um, me thinking they would be somewhere like uh, eighth, ninth, and now being like, no, I actually think they're like fifth or sixth is really it's, it's, it's noteworthy. Yeah. And I think also, too, like I didn't really see like Zach Levine being a, a leader. And I think when you when you look at his career, it's incredible that he's grown into a leader. He's been in the league. Uh, it's always longer than I feel like it is. Like it, it, it's been 10. Is it 10 years? I should have looked this it up. It can't be. I, I'm looking at him now. He's 26 years? years old. He's 26 years old. So it has to be seven years. Se- seven years is I think. Yeah, that seven years makes sense. I don't know. It feels like it feels like two years and then sometimes it feels like forever. <laughs> well, that dunk off he was in with uh, Aaron Gordon, you know, was in Toronto and that was pre pandemic. So that just feels like a lifetime ago. Right. I think that's what it is. And that was 2016. And that was not his first dunk contest. No, no, he'd already done one. He, already, he had already won one. The yeah. Year before. So in any case, I just think like nobody predicted this for him. And uh, I just want to, you know, take a moment to celebrate him as an underdog, really. Yeah. And let's also, you know, I'm just looking at it now. Levine and DeRozan. DeRozan, 26.4 points a game. Levine, 25.9. Like, that's two people just putting up buckets on the team. And shout out to uh, um, Vucci Main, Nikolai Vucevic, who is like (laughs) such a good third banana right now. One of my favorite storylines any year is when like a top scorer type player shows up to a team and they kind of like blend in in a very efficient way right I mean I feel like he was kind of struggling a bit earlier but am I just making that up maybe I am maybe Um, maybe it's just in my mind he was struggling his effective field goal percentage (laughs) is not great I will say that but he's still putting up 15 points and nine and, and 10 rebounds you yeah, know, so he is going to steal. Like you said, he's doing his third banana thing. Um, exactly. I guess he's just not at the the all star level, huh, quote unquote, that he was last year. Because I, I laugh because him being an all star was debatable at the time. Yeah, he's always been one of those like, you know, I know this is slander towards DeMar, but people always say like Eastern Conference all stars. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's maybe he, do you think he'll be an all star again? Demar, I think is a really good chance, especially if they're second. If they're second in the East, it's it's a it's maybe him and Levine, right? Yeah, I don't, I feel like they're they're all going to be fighting for that that which Chicago Bowl uh, will be in the All Star game. That's going to be a future a, a near future narrative. I love it, Demar twenty six five and four. Like that's that's All Star numbers. Yeah. I, Freddie, I didn't send you this topic, but I want to quickly uh, just rant about Sam Presti and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Oh, they had they had an embarrassing loss this week to the Memphis Grizzlies, one fifty two to seventy nine. I was disappointed that the Grizzlies didn't score even more points. As the game was happening, I was like, I want the Grizzlies to score the highest amount of points 
in NBA history. Like that would just be so funny to me. But in any case, I think it's like one of the greatest, like lost differentials, at least in like franchise history or something like that. Um, I'm so sick of Sam Presti's bullshit. Like I'm so sick of this guy hoarding draft picks. He has enough draft picks at this point that you do not need to tank anymore. Like, why are they still tanking? They have, they have over 30 picks. Like you can't like, to me, it just doesn't make sense that they're still in tank mode. Like, haven't they done this enough that they should now be in win mode? Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly. I think Presti, you know, has proven that he can draft well. Uh, but that's basically where it ends for me. I feel like he has, mm-hmm. has kind of gotten lucky with how he's team built. You know, th- that's not fully fair, but I-, I do think that there's this idea for me anyways, that got really exposed during the process with, with Sam Hinkie and Philly, which is that tearing down is remarkably easier than building up and yes. winning in the NBA is the hardest thing. It is a habit. And I think that there's this logic that you can just move players around and and somehow, you know, find this this kind of like alchemy of chemistry as opposed to developing, putting in hard work, making the moves on the margins, kind of sitting with some uncomfortable moments. Like as a Raptor fan, you know, we watched OKC aggressively tank way harder than us get worse picks and, you know, not get Scotty Barnes. Mm -hmm. And then what, they're going to try it again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I'm Shea Gilders Alexander, I want out. Um, If I'm I'm all those guys, I want out. Right. Cause, cause it's like, you know, these guys are winners. They're talented players. And uh, I, I don't know. You're already in Oklahoma. You have an example like San Antonio. That's like, listen, it's not about bottoming out to be good. Because unless you have a really, really good foundation, you're not going to be able to build up. Player agents are going to be furious. You know, players are going to want to leave. The culture is going to be bad. The fans are going to suck. You're going to, it's going to be like a rotating door of coaches. It's just, uh, it's, you know, losing on purpose has, I think, like compounding negative effects. And I think we're seeing that with OKC, you know, I think they're also going to be like Boston where people know that they have a treasure trove of picks. So when they deal with them, they're going to be like, okay, give me 10 first. And Presti's going to be like, oh, well, (laughs) uh, how about, you know, three seconds. And he's going to be like, screw you then. Like, I don't want to deal with you. I know you've been hoarding picks. So where I would ask one team, you know, for two picks, I'm going to ask you for seven. And, you know, that's why, you know, a lot of people were talking, uh, you know, uh, draft day deals for the Raptors. And the only things I could think of is you just, you, you call up OKC and you call up Orlando and you say, you want this more than us. We will give you a absolutely lopsided deal. Give us a million picks if you want one of our players. And, uh, you know, they didn't want to do that and rant over. It's, it's easy to, uh, to, to not care. I think is the end, end, end of my rant there. And it's, it's harder to be, 
Indiana and Utah and Miami and Toronto and San Antonio. It's harder to be these franchises that are, you know, intent on finding ways to win, but it is more rewarding and it's way better as a fan. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll just say this to add on to everything you said, which I agree with. Um, the thing that, uh, that bothers me about OKC is we know for a fact that even if they do draft three generational superstars, they're not going to pay them and they're going to end up trading one away. And then it's like, well, what's the point if you're not even going to pay them? Like, have you suddenly decided that you're going to be a luxury tax team? Like you're not in a big enough market to even do that. So to build this way still doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, they should be more invested in, in player development. Like you said, with that, let's move on to our Raptors Homer moment. So we had a nice little fun viral moment of Scotty Barnes uh, filming Pascal uh, saying hi to his favorite player uh, while watching uh, the 905. So Freddie, my question for you is if you could say hi to Pascal, uh, what would you say? How would it go? Um, I would say, I mean, just, I guess a classic, like, how are you? But uh, if it went further than that, um, I would say, uh, how are you enjoying being in a, you know, a bilingual country? And have you taken any French vacations? Oh, um, what a, what a fun question. Like, like, like you're just going to open with that. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'd say, <laughs> how are you? Cause maybe he'd be like, fine. And then we'd sit in silence and I'd be like, I don't want to, you know, mess with this dude while he's texting people. Um, but you know, if we, <laughs> if we started chatting and it was like chill, you know, cause I think I always seem to get a little bit excited. Serge did this too when there's French questions mm-hmm. and um, I mean, you know, tip my own cap. I went to French immersion when I was uh, Ooh, growing up in Ontario. No worries. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and whatever my French is at like a great two level. I can't do shit. Like, I love how you didn't even say that in French. You're just like, no worries. <laughs> you know Let me just say uh, pod to worries. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I feel like, that there's a chance that he's taken advantage of that. Like his brothers are all here. They all speak French. I wonder if they were like, yo, let's go to Tromblon, like rip it up or, or whatever, or go to like Hull, you know, like I did when I was 17. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they're like, why would we do that? But I, <laughs> I hope that they would, you know, and I'd be curious. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I feel like Chris Boucher should be uh, leading the way there. Yeah, exactly. Like we have multiple, multiple French speakers on the team. Boucher, you know, Birch maybe even speaks a bit of French. Like, let's party, boys, you know. (laughs) (laughs) French people party in this scenario, you know. Yes, only the French Raptors. Um, That's amazing. Everyone Um, else is straight laced. Yeah, uh, I wonder if Patrick Matumbo speaks French. Maybe you can bring him along. Um, I, I don't know. I'm going to, he just he, seems, he just seems so worldly that he would also know several languages. Well, I'm, I'm looking at it now. I think, oh, he's, oh, he's, he's from, uh, he's from the Congo. I, I was going to say, if he's from Nigeria, I think there's a chance, but, um, I'm not sure what they, I'm sure they speak many languages. Does Serge speak French? 
Serge does speak French and he's Spanish. The, and he's from the Congo. Yeah, I'm I mean, dead silence. <laughs> dead, well, I was just I was going to look up like what languages do they speak uh, in the Republic of Congo? But I'm sure it's, uh, you know, many, many languages. So if you yeah, feel also, like he's French, he's French. You know, I'm born and raised here and I don't speak French like at all. Like I basically borderline failed French every year until I didn't have to take it anymore. So when me, Pascal Boucher and and the Siakam brothers go to Quebec City, like with breakaway tours, you're not coming. Is that what I'm hearing? I mean, unless you want to translate for me the whole time. Yeah, I'd try. I mean, I'd want you to come. It'd be fun. (laughs) I love breakaway tours. So (laughs) it's us and a bunch of 17 year olds looking to get hammed. (laughs) I love this fantasy so much. This is so much better than than I thought it would be. I had a good time at breakaway tours when I was 17. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I did too. Uh, I wasn't 17 though. Maybe I was like 20 or 21. Did the whole New Year's thing in Montreal. Wait, the whole point of going on breakaway tours is being going to a place that you can drink that you normally can't. Yeah, so but I didn't we... discover it till later. Fair enough. And then what, what happens is it's like, even though I'm like 21, I'm like meeting Americans who are like 18, 19. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Cause they're doing it right. Cause everyone is that age. So I'm like, cause they're like, why are and, you here? You're 21. And like, yeah. Making out with guys slightly younger than me. <laughs> they're like, yo, I made it with this older chick. She didn't realize that, you know, she could be drinking anywhere. <laughs> yeah, basically. Oh God. That was so stupid. All right. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, I wanted to ask you about Fred Van Vliet. Speaking of all-stars, I wasn't even thinking about having this conversation with DeRozan, but as you're talking, it just seems so obvious. Um, I feel like Fred Van Vliet is making a bit of an all-star case for himself. What do you think? Uh, I couldn't agree more. I think Fred is doing an incredible job. You know, winning is always a part of it, but I think he's the best player on the team. Um, I just had his numbers. Yeah, here we go. So, you know, uh, 20 points a game, six assists, five rebounds, steal and a half. He's just, you know, blistering from, uh, from, from three and his field goal percentage is good. And like, he's, he's the defense too, right? Is if you compare him to former Raptors guards, we've had, I think, it goes without saying that the only guy who's really on his level is Lowry. And without being disrespectful, I think it's a fair argument to say that Fred is a better defender than Kyle Lowry. And that might seem wild and sacrilegious. And he definitely doesn't take the charges. Um, and Lowry did a million little things. You couldn't back him down and just, you know, so much. But uh, Fred does a lot of little things, too. And he, you can't dribble on him. He strips the ball. And I think as we're seeing this year, he's also, you know, like what, what Raptors fans hoped and wanted to happen with, with the transfer of leadership from Kyle to Fred has Fred Uh is the leader. There was an amazing moment during, I think the Bucks game where, you know, Freddie is uh, getting in everybody's face saying, you know, don't fucking move. 
And <laughs> that was so funny. Being a leader, like being a full leader, yelling at the fans to get loud. I went to my first game in uh, uh, against Washington uh, the other night. And first of all, it's amazing to be back. Second of all, it was awesome to see a game where other people were showing up and Pascal was having a good game because you could tell Freddie was like resting, even though he was playing. And, and it's like he just is really like a prize fighter right now. And I, when, you know, when, when, when you numbers crunch, maybe the scoring's not high enough. Uh, I thought the assist would be higher than six, but I guess Scotty is dishing it too. And, and Pascal, but. And he's had to score a lot, like probably a lot more than we would even want him to ideally. Totally. And I think, you know, it's, it, no, I think ideally you have uh, OGs there and right. You get a lot of people scoring and Fred's assists are higher and six a game and his points maybe are a little bit lower than, you know, 19.8, but the, the well-rounded play, like I, I can't think of, you know, I mean, off the top of my head, there's just not many guards in the East better than him. Uh, Again, the record's not great. So I think that's a part of it, Uh, but um, he's right there. He was almost there last year. Yeah. I think also too, like, um, because, you know, he might not win the fan vote, but in that, you know, who the role player, not role players, but off the bench, all stars, like that gets voted in by the coaches. Right. And I feel yes. like coaches love Freddie. Oh yeah. Cause he's, such so a game I feel like, he's so good. Yeah. So from like that standpoint, I feel like he really, um, he really has a chance, but also I think as Raptors fans, like it would be fun to really just rally around him this year for that. Oh, totally. And I'm all for being an obnoxious uh, fan base, which we already are. Oh yeah. We gotta <laughs> lean in. We gotta lean into it. Come on now. Yeah, like we just got to double down on it and just like have this be who we are. Yeah, at no point, like, uh, you know, is the American media or whatever, you know, going to be like, hey, let's give a quick shout out to those Raptors fans for being calm and measured. Like (laughs) that, that, you know, toothpaste is out of the tube. Let's let's be crazy. That is not who we are, who I want us to be. Um, Also, Freddie, I just uh, want to uh, check in with you emotionally. How are you feeling as a Raptors fan right now? I'm feeling great. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough year as far as like the discourse, you know, not it's better than last year, but I think the discourse this year is a little bit, um, uh, I guess like panicky as far as like wins and losses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that the development arc is just, it's too fun for me. Like <clears throat> I trust in Masai too much, you know, like you said, Scotty being uh, at the G league game, filming Pascal, you know, I watched that G league game and Banton's going off and, you know, David Johnson and um, Justin Champagne and uh, Flynn, you know, was there. He wasn't doing much, but uh, just seeing all those guys playing and then the rest of the team, Utah, you know, uh, Pascal, they're all they're all there watching the game. And yeah, I feel like I, I've said it a million times, but I feel like Masai, one of his main goals and Bobby is to win and develop at the same time. This season might be more in the development camp mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. uh i'm yeah i enjoy watching that development i'm, I'm enjoying svi like 
Precious, you know, makes pretty loud mistakes, but he's still so awesome in my opinion. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that this year could be a lot like the Brooklyn season where we, you know, we made the Rudy Gay trade and we got better and better and better as the year went along and kind of made some noise in the playoffs, but lost in the first round. Yeah, I mean, I think um, if we can be uh, healthy for at least most of the rest of the season, yeah, um, then I think we have a shot. Like I, you know, we definitely miss OG. Um, I feel like our our center position is so vulnerable that we we really miss Kem Birch. <laughs> yes, which is wild to say. Which, and no disrespect to Kem Birch, but that isn't a player we should miss this much. Yeah. You should be like. What, Kem's knee. Oh no. Yeah. Like we miss Kem Birch the way the Sixers would miss Joel Embiid. Like we really yeah. miss that guy. We're like, we need Kem. If we get Kem back, <laughs> we're going, we're going on a title run. Yeah. <laughs> he's really, you know, uh, he's holding us back. No, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, I, I think if we can be healthy for the second half of this season, then I think the playoffs are seriously uh on the table for us. And, you know, I've been very like, look, this is a rebuild year. Masai said it himself. Um, we should not have playoff expectations for this team. I still mm -hmm. feel that way, but there's nothing wrong with having hopes, right? Because I think that's why this year is so fun is because there is a lot of hope um, with the development of this team. And, you know, it's kind of like, sure, like we're not expected to be there. This is rebuilding. We're going to have some weird games. There's going to be mistakes made. But also if we stumble our way into the playoffs, like that's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I think if you're, you know, I don't want to advise how to enjoy the Raptors. But, you know, for me, I think as long as there's development, you know, it's going to be a fun year. You know, maybe a guy like Kem Boucher are a little bit older as far, uh, you know, as development, but not even, you know, they're still like 28 and 29 guys can get better till they're like 32, 33. And we have so many young, interesting players. You know, there might be a trade on the horizon still. I think it's going to be a really fun, active year that, yeah, you know, you might see, for instance, like, uh, Scotty's five best games on a losing streak. Like, I mm. think it's going to be this year where you have to hold multiple feelings at the same time, which, which is not easy for fans, but um, yeah, it, you know, I think for all the people who are like, well, we're not going to win, um, you know, uh, we're not going to win at all. It's like, okay, well then what, what else do you enjoy about basketball? Like, right. Right. Um, I completely agree. Um, we got to wrap up this episode. So let's move on to our hot girl summer Nick nurse highlight of the week. So Woo. for anybody new to the show or new to me, I have a huge crush on Nick nurse. This is a genuine real crush. Um, people have tried to tell me that, you know, he's really been falling apart over the last few years. Uh, I feel like he looks the same. He just wears, uh, he just doesn't wear his fun suits anymore. And it's like, all right, like earlier days of the segment it used to be like oh like did you see that suit he looks so good in maroon who knew you know but now it's just same you know polos every day uh so now it's more just like fun facts interesting observations i've made about nick nurse over the last week um 
last week he was at um, Nav Bhatia's super fan documentary premiere with mm-hmm. uh, Russell Peters. And when the team was celebrating the, um, you know, the Giants of Africa, um, you know, anniversary of Mandela's passing and a celebration of that organization, Russell Peters also there. He's been at both. Nick Nurse and Russell Peters have been hanging out. This is what I have to report. Let me say this. The Washington game I was at, Russell Peters was there. He was there. You better believe Russell it. Peters has been all over the Raptors this week. He's been hanging out with Nick Nurse. They stood side by side during that film premiere. Um, the Raptors uh, Instagram posted photos, not of them together, but them at the same event. I think these two are hanging out. Um, I think that, you know, when once Nick had the Arkells, now he has Russell and <laughs> he's going on tour with Russ for sure. Maybe maybe he's going to open for Russell. <laughs> it's going to be Ron Jossel, John Paul. Yeah. And then Nikki coming Nick, in. Nick to Nurse is going to go out there and he's going to do uh, his favorite accents. <laughs> yeah Russell defend everybody <laughs> Russell's gonna be like Nick I'm taking you to Dubai I'm taking you to Indonesia we're rocking a world tour and Nick's gonna be like should I bring the guitar and Russell's gonna be like I guess you know <laughs> oh my god uh I can't wait anyways that's just been my fun observation about him this week uh, and that's been our episode. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, you can uh, like and rate and review this podcast on Apple or Spotify. Uh, really helps the show. Uh, Freddie, where can we find you on the internet? Um, yeah, check me out on Twitter. Uh, F-R-E-D-D-I-E-R-I-V-A-S. Um, I'm at dunkspodcast.com is, is my website for my pod. Um, uh, at Dunks Podcast is also the Twitter. Confederacy of Dunks is the pod. And um, yeah, you can check me out on uh, Insta as well. Freddie Noel Rivas. And yeah, thanks for um, having me, Catherine. And congratulations on joining the RR family. Thanks so much, buddy. Talk soon. Yeah. So happy that we made it.